Good morning podcast, welcome to the PIT Lambert Show. You are on the best podcast on planet Earth for creators. No kidding, because today I've got with me Becky and Chris. Now you might be wondering who the heck is Becky and Chris? Or who are they? Well, Becky and Chris are creators based in Buffalo. And what is really unique about them is that one of them is videographer, photographer, and the other one is videographer and radiologist. Yep, you heard me, working full time as a radiologist. So you will see the dynamic, the stories are very unique and very different from what we might have heard so far. And if you've ever wondered how can you find your own style as an artist, well I believe this episode is going to be perfect for you because we will be talking about that, we'll be talking about the influence that other creators have on us, the influence of our own work on others and also how can we really perfect our own style because I think this is something that a lot of us struggle with and it's constantly evolving. Sometimes we're not sure if it's going the right way. Well, we've got you covered because we're going to be digging on that. Also, we'll be talking about editing. We'll be talking about helicopters. Don't ask me why, you have to listen. And we'll be talking about how to get started into that world and how to actually work with a passion and a full-time job. Should you even make that passion? your full-time job or should you keep it separate? And if you don't keep it separate, how can you actually keep that passion alive while working on it all the time? You'll see, I think it's very, very helpful episode, especially if at one point you thought, I'm gonna make photography or video my full-time thing. Well, you might wanna listen to that episode first. Quick note before we jump right into it, a lot of you are not subscribed to the podcast, so please make sure you hit subscribe. I want you to receive the new episodes that are coming out weekly. There are bombs of information. There are so much that you can learn in it and I'm interviewing the best photographers and creators on this planet. So please, please, please make sure you subscribe and share it with your friends. With no further ado, let's get right on track and welcome Becky and Chris. Welcome to the podcast, Becky and Chris. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, give us a little bit of insight on where you're standing right now on planet Earth, what's surrounding you and what kind of weather do you have? Is it tropical or... Are you just like me in a miserable cold weather? We are in Buffalo, New York right now, and it is very cold. It was very windy yesterday. I don't know. I haven't been outside yet today, so I don't know what the weather is. Yeah, it's pretty cold. Um, I thought you were going to ask where we were. I was about to say we're lying in bed. <laughs> <laughs> this is great insight for, for the photography. No? Are you having a special shoot right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just lazing around. We're in podcast mode. There's some laundry laying next to us. Pretty messy. My phone's laying on top of a stock to direct the microphone at our faces. <laughs> Very glamorous, glamorous over here. That sounds like a great setup. I should try that. <laughs> That's awesome. So guys, I first of all, well, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. For anyone listening uh, who doesn't know you, who don't know, I don't know how to speak English sometimes. Don't worry. So for anyone listening who don't know you guys, I, can you give me a little bit of your original stories? Who are you? What are you up to? And um, yeah, how did you fall into the photography and creator's world? Do you want to that one? Oh, you... Okay. So I feel like we come from a time when photographer and videographer uh, was not synonymous with creator. I feel like creator kind of is a newer term when sort of social media turned the cameras back on the user. Um, but we've been sort of in the photography video game for, I guess, like decades now. Like I started shooting BMX videos when I was, I don't know, a kid in grade school in like 1999. 
and I've been making videos ever since. And oh, through, wow. BM, through BMX videos, I started making, um, like doing corporate video and then it's kind of turned into what it is now. And then Becky, I don't know. How did you well, end up where you are? So Chris and I started dating in high school. I was in grade 10 and he was in grade 12 and he was shooting those BMX videos. And I didn't really have a hobby besides swimming. I decided to pick up my dad's film DSLR and I started shooting photos and I film DSLR. I mean film SLR. It's a hybrid version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I laid a, a film camera down the other day and I there was no screen. Anyway, um yeah, so I started shooting film in I think it was two thousand and three, two thousand five, two thousand two thousand three. Started shooting film photography and then Slowly over time, I got my first digital camera, and then I got into doing graphic design, which is what I went to school for, and then somehow picked up video, and now video is like it. I thought you were going to say when you're when you were young and didn't have many hobbies, your only hobby was watching me edit videos. That's true, actually. I did like <laughs> yeah. edit, but I watched Chris edit his BMX videos. You watched and learned through osmosis. True. <laughs> Wait, so Chris, when you were editing BMX videos in 2001, what were you using for that? Uh, I was using Adobe Premiere 6.3 or something like that. Six point something. Wow. Um, and, and for anyone listening, what's the version nowadays? Uh, oh, they, they abandoned their number system and went for with Creative Suite and then went oh, right. Cloud. So this was like before any of that. Wow. Six. It sounds like uh, for anyone who's ever tried Adobe Photoshop, I think that was like, wow. If you go back to six or three, that, that goes like <laughs> super crazy. It almost looks like paint back in the days. It's probably around the same era, I would say, of Photoshop. I'm, I'm Googling it right now and I can't <laughs> even find. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. That's Photoshop six. That's what it kind of looked like. Yeah. I started using that and then I switched over to Final Cut Pro six. Um, when I went when I went back to a Mac, I had a Mac when I was a kid in the early '90s. Then I got a PC in early, I guess, 2000s, and then I went back to a Mac. Had a, one of those Quicksilver G4s that probably none of your uh, list remember because we're all old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably so. You went you went back to a Mac. That's so interesting because I remember when I was well when I was younger, like in the 2000s, I was all about PCs and I didn't want to hear anything about a Mac. Um, the simple reason is I was gaming and I was like, there are no games on the Mac. Why would I ever get that? My, my, my biggest like issue as a kid, uh, computer wise was I was devastated because we had a Mac and I wanted to play Doom 2 and they just didn't have it for a Mac <laughs> and I was just like crushed. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then I had a friend who tried to emulate anything. On, uh, it was just a big mess. I remember it was really, really fun. Um, so so wait so you started doing bmx videos and how did you get from bmx videos to your first ever paid gig uh you know what it, it kind of all just sort of happened um i had i think i was doing like these slideshows for my parents they would just like give me a bunch of like video and photo assets and i just set it to music and they'd pay me like you know i don't know 50 bucks <laughs> and then uh her friends started asking for them and then just through word of mouth her, some of her friends were real estate agents so they started having me do corporate videos for them and like properties and things like that and kind of just snowballed from there and how old were you when that happened uh this was when i was in high school university uh and medical school was when i kind of was doing most of these jobs oh wow and 
And I'm, I'm super curious, and I think your story is really interesting, guys, because you're not just a photographer. You have like a full-time job on the side, correct? Uh, I've got a full-time job. And if, if you kind of look at like, like, what would you say the split is between the stuff that we post online? How much do you do and how much do I do? I would say like, for yeah, for our internet stuff now, I think I do like 90%. I do like all of the video editing. I was going to say like 95. Maybe okay. 95. Yeah, I run like all the <laughs> social channels. Like Chris is basically just in the videos and then. Chris, uh, starring yeah. Chris. <laughs> I, I'm just the talent. You're the talent. That's why I'm on Instagram. It's just your face. <laughs> That's because you always have the camera. Exactly. Yeah, so you work full time. And then I, I technically work part time, but I work from home. So it works out that I can kind of make my own hours. But yeah, like, you work like over full time. You're you're. Yeah, your schedules. My schedules real flexible. Flexible. Tell me what you guys do aside from uh, from the photography. T tell me. Um, I think like everything we do revolves around visuals. So I went to school for graphic design. Uh, my job is basically graphic designer, photographer, video, kind of like social media stuff. Um, and then we're both really passionate about like home decor and home design, home renovations. Um, Chris is also a helicopter pilot, so he does that um and you're an interventional radiologist so you can talk a bit about that if you want yeah so my job is just base is essentially doing minimally invasive surgeries using image guidance so i guess that's the kind of common theme i was drawn to radiology um when i was in med school because uh it was all digital imaging and i was very familiar with all the concepts you know pixels well in radiology land they call them voxels because they're volume weird <laughs> oh, getting down that's to, interesting. Uh, getting into some weird stuff here now, but like uh, bit depth is is the same concept. All sorts of you know, like unsharp mass, like yeah. doing like we would do these. We'd have lectures on digital image processing. It would all be stuff I already knew, and people would just eyes would glaze over. Like this is boring. I'm like, oh, I know all this stuff already. I was, kind of, <laughs> I was drawn to that because of the imaging. Um, it's just you don't use it to make it look pretty. You you use it for diagnostic and interventional purposes. So it's a bit of a different use of imaging. Yeah, that's true. And so it's uh, the reason I find it really, really interesting and is because most people would not associate, associate photography or videography with a surgeon or at least not maybe in, in the sense we see it nowadays. And I know there are a lot of my listeners or, or viewers on YouTube. It's the same. They, they all have a full time job and they really want to to keep that passion for photography and video really really strong and, and just nurture it and, and keep shooting all the time and guys maybe you can give a, a two cent but i was just thinking someone was asking me should i go try to go full-time and and work as a photographer and quit my other job do, what do you guys say to people who ask you that i always think like if you have a full-time job if start freelancing in the night so if you work your nine to five you know six to ten eleven twelve work on your freelance gig or on the weekends work on your freelance gig to the point where that when your freelance work starts to take over and you become so busy that and you're making enough money that it feels comfortable and right to switch then i think that's a good time but or if you have like i guess savings put away and some jobs lined up yeah i think there's a couple of philosophies and it depends on the person um and what sort of philosophy they align with and you, you can use old adage, adages like you know uh find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think that's a little bit idealistic, but <laughs> some people, you know, sorry, some people, I think, I think the, the correct thing is you will work every day of your life. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm a firm believer that um, you know, variety is the spice of life. We're gonna go with old saying. Um, and if thing too much, you're gonna get burned out, and that's mm-hmm. just the way we work as humans. So I've always been a believer that you know you have to love your job, or else you're gonna get burned out. Period. But you know, you don't have to make your job. You don't have to live it 100 percent every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's, a, you know, a lot of people, they don't realize that making your passion your career is a surefire way to ruin your passion. So well, maybe not necessarily ruin it, but it definitely changes it. I should say change it. Yeah. It's a surefire way to change your passion. And whether you can maintain a healthy balance, mm-hmm. you know, it's only, I guess, time will tell. But you and I actually kind of are on opposite sides, not opposite outlook, outlook, mm-hmm. but we've we've both lived both sides like i've made my career my career and i have hobbies on the side whereas you've taken your hobbies which was always photography and video mm-hmm. and you've totally ran with it and made it your career yeah and i don't know you experienced yeah i out? mean like there's definitely benefits like i love my job and i'm i would never want to have it like i love being a photographer i love being a designer um, it's fun. It's enjoyable, but there are definitely stresses. And when I did make those things my career, I noticed that things started changing. I wouldn't take my camera out for fun anymore because I may have just shot a seven or eight hour day, and I don't want to look at my camera now until my next job. So things like that started to change. You stop taking your camera out for fun. You stop taking your camera on trips, and you're only kind of using it for commercial jobs. So your kind of mindset changes a little bit. But I think when you go into it knowing that you try not to let it ruin it and you kind of create your own little side project so you don't get burnt down so that you kind of keep the passion alive because it could very easily when the stresses of real life and job and you know getting paid kind of creep in and sometimes you can associate your camera with a stressful time and on in the night times or on the weekends you don't want to look at that because it brings you stress you know because it reminds you of getting the bills paid or you know so it ruins it. <laughs> it can. Yeah, it can. It depends. It depends. And I think it's yeah. It's all about I think mindset. And- yeah. So the the overall answer is it depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very subjective for anyone. But I really, really like what you guys highlight, and I think it's something I try to tell people is if you make it your full time, just like you said, Becky, uh, it becomes something that you might not take for the escapism that you used it for. For example, like you said, uh, yeah, I'm going to shoot videos like uh, so I'm releasing twice a week on YouTube and during the water we had the travel channel. So so I would have it all the time. And for my my wife or for myself, if I didn't have my camera, that was almost like my escapism, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, no camera. Oh, wow. But when you work full time, that's the reverse. You're like, oh, yes, I can get my camera. It's great. So you always have to, to, I think it's a question of balance. I think you guys would agree. It's, it's like finding the right balance. And Becky, you gave a good tip, finding those small projects that you still do, even though you go full-time in photography. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, if you guys are familiar with Flurn, the channel on Photoshop uh, on YouTube, uh, Aaron, who, who started it and runs it, has been doing it for eight plus years. And well, it's, it's pretty big uh, business. and. Um, and and how do you call that in channel but what he was saying is very interesting we were chatting exactly about that specific topic and he's like it's funny i picked up a camera not long ago with a fixed lens and i started shooting again for fun (laughs) i'm like what i'm like what do you mean he's like 
you don't understand all the photos I've taken for the past six years have been specifically taken for tutorials or for or stuff that I wanted to create for the channel or for specific tutorials I had in mind. And he's like, it's very hard. It's hardly ever that I would go out and shoot just by myself and with a camera. And he got one of those, I think it was Fuji or Olympus, you know, with a fixed lens, the 35 millimeter. And he told me he really enjoyed that because it just got him back to something super basic and just for fun. Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, changing it up and filling in the, um, you know, you start shooting for commercial or whatever, and then just kind of filling that, you know, hobby with something else. And even if it is photography, maybe it is just, you know, shooting with a fixed lens. Or I did a portrait project where I was like, I'm going to shoot portraits of all my friends and family, different lighting setups, different editing techniques, different lenses just to like try things. And that really was like, you're gonna make a book. Yeah, I was gonna make a book. And so it's like, oh, that's like a cool, fun thing. Now I'm excited about it again. So it's kind of like him. Yeah. Oh, that's a great project. How does that go? How is it yeah, going? Yeah, so I, I've been kind of slacking since we moved to Buffalo, but I've been working on it for about, you know, four or five years casually, just, you know, shooting my friends. And it's cool to go back and see how my shooting style has changed. My editing style has changed. Um, even my like lighting, I'm a lot more neutral, I think now than they used to be, but, um, you know, eventually I'd love to make a coffee table book, but I have a, a lot more photos. I think to take, I think ideally I'd like to have like a hundred photos. I don't, I probably have 20 now. Mm -hmm. friends. I only have 20 friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I need more friends. All right, guys, you can drop your Instagram handle on Twitter, on Instagram, and you might be on the book. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Becky and Chris are looking for new friends. Uh, that, that, that could be a Craigslist listing, by the way. That could be a Craigslist listing. Yeah, you might get more than friends on that. <laughs> yeah, you never know what you get. <laughs> True. Looking for love. Yeah. So, Becky, I think uh, you, you picked up something that was really uh, good at the end, and it was about your editing style changing. And someone mm -hmm. was asking, and if I'm correct, um, it's at polychrome06 on Instagram was asking me, what is your best advice for starting with Lightroom and handling all the colors? And I'm asking that because you said your style changed and I, and I'm, I, I want to put my hand in the fire. If I'm wrong, that uh, it's pretty much your colors and, and the way you use the highlights and everything changed over time. So <laughs> can you share with me? Yeah, so, so when I started getting into digital photography, I really liked that like high dynamic range, contrast, like high local contrast kind of look. And everything Highlight, highlights down, shadows up, clarity slider on Mac. Yeah, that, so that's kind of how it started. So everything had this Oh man, the HDR theme, wow, was amazing yeah. when digital started. It was everywhere. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so it was like very stylized photos. Dodging and burning. Dodging and burning, like at least three if not five, like light, like if you're setting up a <laughs> studio and then, you know, over time it was like, we went from that to like, oh, now I'm using one light or window light or natural light. And we're doing neutral skin tones, way less clarity, more of a neutral look, maybe a little more desaturated. And I think it's just like overall, I mean, even now it's different than two or three years ago, but it's just constantly progressing and trying to learn new things. But yeah, I think a lot of people start out with like using other people's presets with it. I think that's like a good way to learn. But also I feel like you can't depend on that either. You kind of have to break it down and see how the colors are done. And, you know, then, you know, edit yourself from scratch. And I don't think we ever really use presets, but Chris kind of taught me how to edit in Lightroom. 
um, when I first started. I don't know how you knew how to do it, but I don't know. I just kind of figured it out. I, I knew how to use <laughs> curves early on, and curves can do pretty much ninety percent of it. And the only other mm-hmm. manipulator you need is your basic controls and some HSL. Yeah, true. Which is these are all basic Photoshop tools. Photoshop six. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Wow, really, there's not been a lot of new uh, tone controls. Um, I think the biggest breakthrough was incorporating shadow highlight yeah. into the basic um, panel. And then they, they must have tweaked their engines along the way because shadow highlight became a lot more natural looking than it used to. Well, and they added like whites and blacks too because they never had that before. Yeah. But I mean, whites and blacks are more similar to what you can get. Like you can do similar in curve. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, no, we're kind of digressive. Lightroom has greatly improved since I think we started. Like oh, much more definitely. control. Yeah. We used, to, we used to process everything with Photoshop and then. Lightroom became really good, and then we switched yeah. primarily basically to Lightroom. Yeah, I think I'm 95% on uh, on Lightroom unless I want to do compositing or like ma- masking specific items, etc. Mm-hmm. And it gets dirty in Lightroom, I instantly go to Photoshop. But the rest, yeah. You you picked up something. I picked up something you said, which was neutral skin tone. Can you elaborate what you mean by neutral skin tone? Um, yeah. So I think like with neutral skin tones, it's just making sure, like especially with portraits that the the person that you're photographing either like doesn't look too orange or doesn't look too green and like dead <laughs> yeah so i try to have like kind of like a warm goldeny skin tone try to match it to what i see you know in real life or maybe just like a little bit of a high like highlighted version of that got it yeah i think that um it's funny because whether you come from a photography background uh or a cinema background people use like very different terms so i guess keeping your skin tones neutral is like a very um common concept in in video you know it's using the uh secondary color corrections to like mask out you know so you're adjusting everything but the skin yeah so you can make your scene moody but if you're a photographer that's not really a while you may do that it's it's not a concept that's well known to you but uh yeah i think that we've sort of just where we come from both backgrounds we sort of just blend the styles Mm -hmm. No, that's great what you just mentioned, because it's something uh, I mean, I barely even knew about it before, as you mentioned, cinema. And I started watching videos about how they they create those moods and the color grading, which is at the end of the day, it's just image editing. But like they really call it color grading. I was like, wait, I don't understand. Everything looks blue and yellow in that movie if you take blade runner for example <laughs> and and you're like but this but when you look the mo- look at the movie it doesn't shock you yet if i had to do the same thing on the photo it would shock me terribly i was and i keep trying to <laughs> and i kept trying to figure out why that was and uh, as you mentioned i think the the skin tones are edited a little bit differently correct yeah they would they would uh, you'd have basically a mask a power mask or um you'd use like a color picker to pick the skin tones and then you can preview the mask and and that will basically create a hole in your adjustment layer if you think about that way that's how i kind of think about it Mm -hmm. so you're essentially affecting everything but the skin tones and i actually don't do that a whole lot to be honest i mean that's a lot of work (laughs) yeah Yeah. but I, i do i do think that you know coming from multiple backgrounds i think nowadays the worlds are colliding between whether it be photography or video or just some, something as simple as color theory. Like everything is, it's almost like there's been an awakening where everybody's sort of now mashed in the same realm. Social media has kind of pulled everybody together. And now all of a sudden you get people crossing, doing crossovers, like photographers who are now really good at video 
mm-hmm. in a very short period of time because they're just applying the same concept. It's mm-hmm. all just now becoming digital image, whether it's 24 frames per second or one frame. It's just manipulating pixels and values. Yeah, I feel like, like you said, a lot of people just, just understood that. And as a photographer who never, ever pressed the right button on this camera for years, the day I did, I did, I was like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? Because I think the biggest difference, and that's, that's a video that's coming up soon, and, and it's really understanding that you, you, you're not shooting raw, you're basically shooting a bunch of JPEGs, and you mm-hmm. better make sure that it looks good in camera because you don't have much range afterwards to fix it. Mm-hmm. No. That's what I found too, like being a photographer getting into video it's like oh this is very different you don't have the free range you can't put it's like uh, yeah like you said editing a processing like low resolution jpegs especially shooting 1080 so it's like very different but it is also the concept of basically you know shooting moving pictures and now you get to tell a better story because you have 24 frames per second versus one frame and so long as you get it right in camera it's cool that you can add sound and you can you, add sound you shot, design. And you shot raw video before. I shot raw video once on a hacked 5D <laughs> with Mag- Magic Lantern. It was awesome, but it was like processing or grading those video clips was insane because you had all of the freedom of a raw file. It was amazing, Got but it. the workflow was insane. Like it was cumbersome, yeah. cumbersome and yeah, it was not. Good. Is that is that what you would call log? No, so so log would be like a flat gamma profile so that it, mm-hmm. it, it would still be like you know a compressed uh video file that conventionally can be played back easily but this firmware hack basically spit out uh an uh like a like raw cr2 files in a folder okay and each folder was a clip there's and, no like audio that went with it no it was, oh it was like, got it yeah it was like your camera acquired 24 raw files per second and you have to assemble it into video, video files. Oh wow. Okay. It's it's as if you were doing a time lapse kind of I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's Dropping exactly frames in a timeline. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. And uh so so <laughs> the question of Polychrome was the best advice to for starting a Lightroom. Um if I if I can just wrap up on that, I think from what we discussed it's a lot about experimenting mm-hmm. and uh don't be afraid to touch all your sliders and see what they do. And then if you like something, you check it the day after because usually after a little bit, we just get confused and uh, we end up with rainbow stuff that we like. And the day after we're like, oh my God, this is so ugly. So always <laughs> come back to your edits the day after, look what you did, what you liked. And my, my tip also, I don't know how you guys work, but uh, when I really try to pinpoint um, my editing style at the beginning, it was really about creating a lot of presets myself. Every time I would like something, I would save it. And then I would try it again on another photo and change stuff until I understood what was affecting what. And um, if since you guys mentioned you use the curves a lot, I think you just did a video about histogram also, correct? Yeah, we did a histogram video and then we did like a Lightroom showdown video where we kind of like both edited the same raw file. And we both did things completely differently. Like Chris and I have different styles. He uses curves a lot. I use the HSL sliders a lot. Got it. And uh, like the shadow, um, shadow tinting and stuff. But yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said. Like playing around with the sliders, seeing what looks good, and then like walking away from it and coming back to it the next day. Like that's huge. Got it. Yeah. And do, I, you, I, do you do you do you? Uh, sorry, go ahead. 
I just say I'm a pretty nerdy guy and I, I'm a firm believer in not just photography, but everything in life. If you understand your tools, um, that's what, that's mm -hmm. a requirement. So literally if you go through and just learn, watch tutorials on every single slider in Lightroom, and I guarantee you're going to have like an epiphany where you all of a sudden are just like a photo Jedi and you just know what <laughs> you need to do when you know what the sliders do. And then it's a matter of gaining experience, figuring out and being able to hone your eye to know what you need to change. And then when you when you want to make that change, you'll know what slider to use. So, yeah. Or like if you have you have a look in your head, you know exactly how to create it because you know exactly what tools do what. Yeah. So it becomes a lot easier. And I should say, don't yeah, you won't become a photo Jedi overnight because uh, training your eye and figuring and being able to recognize when you see a photo exactly what that person did takes a lot of time but you know if you follow along and just do tutorials with people as you and follow them along you'll eventually get practiced well versed in how those sliders change your image and sort of what techniques you're going to go to you're like okay well i know i'm going to put an s curve in the in the, in the rg curve i know i'm going to you know add a little bit of i'm going to drop the red uh in my shadows i want to tint it a bit acidy color and up it in the highlights to give sort of a cross process look. You know, I know I'm going to shift my oranges and reds a certain way and my blues more to cyan. You know, it just, you have just little styles that you'll do. And eventually you'll come up with your own sort of techniques and your own style. And that's how you evolve your style. But yeah, getting back to your, your guys' original question, learn, learn your tools and know them well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's the most important one. And uh, yeah, it comes with practice anyway. So very very important don't forget to practice a lot <laughs> i i just picked up something again i keep picking up stuff it's funny um two things can you can you make uh the rgb curves simple for people listening imagine you have your your curve so you are changing the rgb and so you can change uh, how the black operates how the the light uh, how the light is on your image etc do you actually go into each color channel and change the curves or not? Yes. Yes? I do. Okay. I do sometimes, but that's more Chris style. I think you do that. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, I, I like being able to have full control over my color that way. Um, and it, you kind of have to develop and figure out sort of what does what. It's a weird way to think in three colors. Um, but it's... Um, it allows you to it kind of allows you to level up once you figure it out it works for you it's just a, a very powerful tool i find okay interesting and do you use it mainly to to change the colors or to change uh the how do you call that the contrast or the, the lightness or shadows in colors uh, where, because if you've never tried it i highly encourage you anyone listening if you've never tried go in those curves and change uh your rg and b channels individually and you will see it's gonna it's going to confuse you to hell. It's crazy. So how, how, do, you, how do you approach it? Um, we're actually going to do a video on this. That was oh, God. great. The, the, the Everyone go to Chris and Vicky's channel. <laughs> the histogram video was actually supposed to be a curved video, but then I realized if you don't understand histograms and tones, then you probably won't understand my explanation of curves. Yeah. So I kind of did the histogram as a prerequisite. <laughs> yeah. So I'm still kind of trying to figure out how I'm going to explain it. Again, I'm the kind of nerdy one in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's sort of like, uh, it, it's really, it's a, it's a lookup table. It's an input and output. It's a, it's a mathematical transformation. And, uh, it's basically your X axis is where your original tones in your image are and your Y axis is where you want them to end up. So if you put a dot in the center of the curve and then raise it up, it's saying that anything that is 
that was you know in the middle of your midtones, and you move that dot up, it's now going to be brighter. You moved it up, yeah. and then in turn, if you move the dot down, it makes it darker. So it's just basically it's telling you it's you've got a image with tones in it, and it's just at a point, and you're just telling your image where you want it to end up. Yeah, that was kind of a convoluted, confusing way to explain it. So I have to, I really have to figure out how I'm going to explain diagrams. it. diagrams. Yeah, I think everyone's going to uh, repeat uh, the, that section maybe three times just, <laughs> just to get yeah. it. Or what you can do is you can, you can just cut all that out and knock people and just say that tone curves are a way to manipulate your starting and end point of your image. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is also a very good way to put it. No, it's great. Uh, uh, we're not going to dwell too much into that because without a video, it's just super confusing. So um, everyone just, just try with your curves. And, uh, and if you're just starting out, don't get too confused about them. Just start editing with the rest of the sliders. And then whenever you feel a bit more confident, then you start watching a tutorial about the curves. And, and, and then you feel like you just learned something totally new, uh, which is great. But don't get too confused uh, overall, I would say. Uh, guys, quick question from Billy. Uh, he's asking, which photographer do you follow and would like to shoot with? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Um, any photographer? Could be anyone. I feel like Joey Lawrence would be my photographer of choice. He's been like Joey Alley's from New York. Actually, he's from Canada and then moved to New York. Um, I started following him years and years ago when he was like 17 and he was like selling Photoshop tutorials to pay for his camera or something. And anyway, he's uh, shot like a bunch of really famous people, but he's also shot like a lot of tribes over in like Ethiopia and his work is beautiful and he's done some documentaries and he's, uh, he's probably one of my like bigger inspirations on the photography side, I think. So I'd love to like one of the longest inspirations because he's yeah. like, he was relevant when you were starting. Yeah. Or he was just getting off the ground. But then also it's like you follow this person and, you know, you look up to them or, or you like their work for so many years to meet them. It's almost like, yeah, you know, you don't want it to ruin it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, can you repeat his name for anyone listening who is trying to pull up their Instagram and is just struggling like me right now? His name is Joey Lawrence or Joey L. JoeyL.com. JoeyL.com. Got it. L, like the letter L. Yeah. Spelled out is his Instagram handle. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Funny. Found him. Cool. Yeah, it's funny because like he's not like an Instagram, like he doesn't post a lot on Instagram. Like he posts a lot of stuff on his website and he does like shows and things uh, and these documentaries. So he's not really like a, I guess would you consider like an Instagram photographer, but his, his work is there and it's stunning. What about you, Chris? That's really um, good. I'm going to choose Tyler Leckie. And he's oh, a guy choice. who lives in Niagara Falls, New York. So he's like 15 minutes away from us. We've actually had coffee with them. We just connected over Instagram. But we've never been shooting together, and his feed is absolutely insane. Oh my god! Um, yeah, it's very insane. moody, very uh, just really nice. Uh, I don't know, moody images, really. Uh, pretty much all landscape, but his work is phenomenal. Uh, I'm pretty sure he does a lot of like uh, Photoshop work, layering, compositing, uh, but he just has the most crazy landscape. So I'll say Todd Lecky. And we've been trying to get out and shoot together, but we just haven't been able to coordinate the schedules. How would you write his name on uh, uh, for Instagram, for example? So his his Instagram handle is Tyleki T Y L E K K I. Oh, cool! Yeah, T I L T Y. He's kind of one of those guys. Okay, that cool. Feel like it's gonna blow up. He's got. I think he's got like 
7,800 followers, but like you look at his feed. Oh, and he's 100%. And yeah. you would think like, oh, this guy should have like a half million, but. Wow, that's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, really That nice is really interview. beautiful. It's really nice. What do you, so when you guys like find inspiration in another photographer, what do you actually uh, take from it? Do you take shot ideas or do you take general moods? What, I, I'm kind of curious because we all, as creators, you know, there's always that fine line where, well, you don't want to be copying, you don't mm -hmm. want to get too inspired. Uh, there's always a super fine line. What do you take out of those photographers you really follow and admire? I think it's like lighting concepts, color processing and tones, posing. Those are things that I kind of look at more so on the portrait, like photography side of things. Like if I'm shooting people, um, what would you? Yeah, I think that it's kind of that fine line, like you alluded to. Um, it's one of those things where if you sort of take somebody's like style that's really their brand, um, then it kind of almost becomes a little bit difficult to say it's your own. Um, like if someone looks at your work and says, oh, that looks just like, you know, insert photographer's name here. Then it's like, oh, okay, crap. Maybe I basically ripped him off or her off. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it's yeah. like, oh, if someone looks at your work and says, oh, that looks great. And you've sort of made it your own. Then I think that that's okay. Uh, and sometimes it can be hard. And, and it's not to say you can't experiment. And you know, all the time, like you did, like, so for example, Jesse Driftwood posted, a tutorial about how he does his transitions mm -hmm. and like you know whip 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 and zoom transitions are not like uniquely jesse but he does them in a very jesse way and so like yeah you you try the other day and try this but you address and you're like let's just try to mix it up because i shoot the same helicopter every single day yeah so let's just try to mix it up with a different style and i think like it's funny because like these guys put out these tutorials to teach you something right so you got to try it and then, okay, this is cool. This is how he does it. How can I incorporate that into my own style without it looking like Jesse? Where what I did looks kind of like Jesse because I specifically did it to look like that, to try it. Yeah, 100%. Take those concepts that you've learned and then work them into your own processes. And I think it goes the same with photography. It's like, oh, I really love this shot. I'm going to try a shot like that. And I'm going to say it was inspired by this person. But then maybe you learn something while you're shooting that that you can kind of flip and reverse and put it into your own kind of shot. Yeah, I think if you give props, then it's okay. You, it's kind of fair game then. Um, but you know, in the end of the day, what's going to happen is you know, I, my style or and Becky's style, it's all just a synthesis of, of what we've been exposed to over the years. You know, every tutorial that I used to uh, emulate or, or partake in back you know, 15 years ago when I was learning all the tools, those of all all those techniques have shaped my style in some way to this day and it's a constantly evolving thing that you know whether you like it or not if you consume media you're influenced by other people there's no mm -hmm. way around it so sometimes i actually try to limit how much i'm you know watching cons or consuming, consuming or watching because Same. i get worried that i'm going to see something and just gravitate towards other people's stuff so now i kind of i'm just trying to like stick and stay in my own lane kind of thing but you know there's there's no shame in being inspired by people no there is no shame and i think what you say is, is really good because it's exactly just, uh, I like to extend it like photography and your style in photography reflects exactly the way I believe we live our lives where it's just a combination of experiences that our mind interprets, interprets whenever something else comes up. For example, you're going to shoot portraits uh, with that style of the photographer and you really like it. You start integrating in your own life and as you go, you you're always going to repeat the same kind of things. Uh, and it's the same. Imagine you have an experience in life, a bad experience. 
whenever the same situation is going to come up in the future, you're going to think something bad is going to happen. And, I, and it's interesting to mix up a bunch of different things. Otherwise, you get stuck with your own vision that is too, too short and you're not able to see a bigger picture or realize that everything could be different. Just like a portrait, just because you've been shooting portraits in the studio your whole life with three lights, doesn't mean you can't do it with just the window in the street, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just because you make $10,000 a week doesn't mean because you, make, you have a, a bad life, you know? It's exactly the same uh, way. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> too much into the philosophical side of things, but I, I like to think about that sometimes, and uh, it just reminds me that how much of a, an impact everything we're consuming has uh, on how we're per perceiving things and how we are speaking, spitting it out as artists. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. And, yeah, 100%. And uh, Chris, what you say, do you do sometimes detoxes where you're like, okay, I'm not going to consume anything? um for a week or i'm gonna shut down that feed because i've been looking at it too much uh not really uh some days like where i, I kind of like i was saying i work full time like i'm literally so busy at work um my phone is literally only being used to communicate with my team yeah and i literally do not have time to open social media um so that almost like in and of itself i come home and i get the cliff notes from becky like okay what happened on youtube today what happened on Twitter today? You gotta That's, watch this video. What's this going on on IG? Instagram ruined everything and put out a shitty update. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you so, guys have the, the shitty update where you have to swipe right? Yeah, I had it for like an hour. It was awful. Chris didn't get to experience it. <laughs> oh, good. I, I didn't get before. it. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. But yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of have forced breaks from it just, you know, to keep my head in other places. But yeah, I don't, I don't unfollow people because I think they have good stuff on field. I'm afraid to rip them off. You know, I, mm -hmm. it's just, um, that was kind of more of a, an example, but yeah, yeah. I, I kind of just consume when I can in the evenings and, uh, rely on Becky to fill me in on the rest. <laughs> Got it. What about you, Becky? Because you're like in it all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I think that I've been watching a lot less YouTube lately because I do find that sometimes when you watch like a certain person a lot or like a certain personality a lot that you start to kind of like, almost adopt some of the things they do or shoot or yeah. whatever so i don't know I, I like to watch my you know you know my friends and they inspire me and i get hyped to make videos watching them so it's kind of this fine line of like consuming too much where you're kind of you don't really know whose ideas are what versus watching other people's stuff getting fired up to create your own stuff but yeah no i haven't really like unfollowed anybody who like i i actually really follow a, a number of different accounts not just photography and video but like interior design and fashion because i can i like to pull inspiration from all of those other aspects as well into kind of my daily lifestyle i guess if you will yeah i think the the most important thing you can ever do as an artist uh with a very specific field like photography is consume things about painting and drawings mm -hmm. or fashion or design Things that are completely not in your realm, or even in the way I, I was going to say finance, but there is some beauty in mathematical in the mathematical world also. So it's, uh, I think it's it makes you such a well versed uh, artist to be able to gr get inspiration from things that are completely opposite. Mm -hmm. Just like if you make videos, guys. I mean, we're talking about photography and videography, um, but if you watch workout videos, that might be a good. Uh, there might be good things to be taken and reintegrated in own styles, you know? 
Um, so taking something opposite and thinking about how you could use that into your own work or if you could expand on it, I think that's where you can foster new ideas. Absolutely. I agree 100%. How do you... What, I, I had a, a quick question from myself. Um, I left it on Instagram for my... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys, you what is your... Pierre. <laughs> hey, Pierre, can you reply? I sent you 25 DM. Please reply. Please reply. Um, all right. What is the craziest project idea you have for the future? Crazy. Or you've had, if you don't have any crazier right now? What is it? We have a couple of like weird... We've done a couple of weird ones. Like the one in particular that's done, done in the past was that weird Canada 150 video. That oh, was yeah. just like a big shit show, part of my, you know, swearing. But uh, wait, yeah. what was that? It was so last, no, it wasn't last year. Uh, July 1st, 2016, it was. We did this like Canada 150 video. It was for Canada, it was like 100. What 150. is it? 150th. 150th. Yeah. yeah. So um, we basically were like, Canadian Tire kind of reached out and they were like, we're doing this thing with red and white lights and we want you guys to do a thing. And then somehow we ended up like coming up with this idea of like two helicopters. We're going to like strap a box onto one of them. We're going to fly up into the mountains and kind of make this video about like getting up into the mountains with our friends with like our Canadian survival kit. And in the kit, we had like, you know, sparklers and lights and smoke, smoke grenades and tents and stuff. <laughs> we're gonna make this video and then everything the, is the logistics to make the video with schedules and shooting times just was a complete disaster we, we ended up getting it done but we made a vlog we made the video and then we made a behind the scenes vlog and if you watch the video and then watch the behind the scenes vlog they're like very different experiences <laughs> which is often like what it's like when you're dealing with social media yeah but um i think as long as you show both sides of it then you're being transparent mm -hmm. and like i got i got stuck in the woods and lost my glasses and i was carrying like a 50 pound box and yeah, then, we had no cell phone reception yeah and we got lost and we couldn't find the box and then <laughs> we the video actually so we filmed it july what how many days are in june 30th. 30th yeah so we filmed it on june 30th we were up until 5 a.m the video had to go live the next day. Yeah. And then I was flying out to Newfoundland from Vancouver also that day. So yeah, it's just a crazy, it was just crazy. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get into the details. That's kind of one of the, crazy. that sounds like the worst schedule ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I'm glad we did it. Cause it's hilarious to watch the video and be like, Oh, there's the finished video. And then like the reason why Chris is missing from all of these shots is because he got lost in the forest for two hours and, like, <laughs> lost his glasses and then like got covered in mud. And, like, but uh, it was an experience. That's it for was, sure. Yeah. But crazy projects going forward um i've got some crazy helicopter trips that i want to take uh, just because that's how my mind thinks i always <laughs> I'm just a, a dork when it comes to that kind of stuff um well, i want to fly to the bahamas that's been like something that's been on my bucket list for a long time now i just have dreams of landing on white sandy beaches and with crystal turquoise waters and just being able to explore the islands that way um uh, but like from you know we, we have a lot of genres under our under our belt so like from the home design standpoint we want to do like a home renovation uh project soon mm -hmm. actively looking take on something like that so nothing really like crazy crazy it's just you know things that we want to get done and want to do that sounds great i mean that sounds pretty crazy for most of us i would say already um <laughs> what, what is that story with the helicopter how did you get into uh flying and how did you get into 
I think you got a helicopter for yourself or how does that work? Tell, tell me more. Yes. So actually the video that we're releasing on Sunday, uh, I answer that question, but in a Ooh. nutshell, um, I've always been interested in aviation since a kid, since I was a kid, I was really into like, I was obsessed with the idea of having like model air, like RC airplanes when I was a kid. And I realized that they were way more expensive than what my allowance gave me. So I kind of, <laughs> I did science projects on like, you know, uh, changing the elevator degrees on a model airplane and how it uh, changes, you know, so I, I've always been interested in flying. So I got into helicopters in, I was, it was 2015 and uh, I realized I didn't know how they worked. So I started Googling it and watching videos on it and I became obsessed. And then I was like, wow, I would just love to fly them. So uh, I just, that was all I've been thinking about since 2015. And I just made it happen, went to flight school. And then recently we purchased our own aircraft used, and now we're just going on helicopter adventures. That is so cool. And I, I, I remember when I was in engineering school, we did uh, study helicopters a little bit because the mechanics inside are very interesting. And it's very, I mean, the fact that you have a, a giant propeller turning on top and you have the one on the, uh, I, I don't know any technical names, but the one on the tail that's preventing it from having the helicopter to turn on itself. Uh, I don't know, it was just mechanically very interesting and we kept having those problems of uh, speed and rotors and uh, anyway, it was just awful. Uh, <laughs> Slosh plates, uh, <laughs> treating blades, all. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, the studies I did were forcing you to calculate the energy output of a mechanical system with by knowing a few variables on the input. And it wasn't, I, I don't know if anyone ever realizes how complex everything you're using in your daily life is. Like mechanically, there's been engineers who had to think about everything. And maybe you don't even realize that it could be as simple as, let's say, uh, a ball opener that you twist. You literally have an engineer that had to calculate the force you have to put on the, on the beginning of the system to know how much force you have coming out of the system and what kind of spring they're going to have to use for that. It's not just trial and errors. There's a lot of math behind it. And I was terrible at calculating. Like, I was really bad. And calculating moment, moment arms. <laughs> yeah, I was really... I, I mean, I, I was doing it because I had to. Uh, if I had a choice, I would have like been like, okay, I'm out of that. <laughs> Give me anything else. Thermodynamics were really fun for me, but uh, mechanical... Ah, no, <laughs> it was a little bit hard. How is the uh, flying a helicopter regulations in the U.S.? Is it difficult to fly around, or is it super loose? Uh, how does that work? Uh, it's regulated all by the FAA, but um, you know y you can pretty much fly anywhere, and just depending on what airspace you're in, um, you just have to sometimes have to talk to ATC on the radio, which is all stuff they teach in flight school. So you can pretty much outside of you know flying it into Trump Tower or around the White House where there's always, where there's restricted <laughs> areas, you can pretty much go anywhere and uh, as long as you're talking to the right people. So Becky, you have the best drone around. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, take me there, go above 120 meters, no problem. Yeah, like, can you hover over here? Can you do another loop around this part? Except for I get really motion sick when I'm filming, so I have to take motion oh. sick medication which kind of makes you a little loopy, so it's been interesting. <laughs> so it's a fine balance between I'm totally high and uh, I'm trying to not throw exactly. up. Exactly. Sure. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> my life. Yeah. It's pretty struggle. bumpy in the air. Huh? Yeah. Oh, it was very, we went on a little trip yesterday and 
the winds were gusting a lot. And for the whole two hours, I was holding back puke. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, we got tossed around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anyone realizes how much a plane is moving or an aircraft until they've experienced either a helicopter or a small propeller aircraft. Mm -hmm. because the day I went in one of those, because my dad was learning to, to pilot also a plane, uh, like aircraft, and I remember I was like, why is that thing moving so much? It's really scary because you don't really realize it until you're up there and you're like, is it supposed to be this bumpy? Are we supposed to be moving this much? Like, is this weird sound supposed to be happening? When you're in a commercial airline, you don't hear any of those things unless you hit like bad turbulence. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Also, in a commercial, like mass, having mass is inherently stable. Mm -hmm. Like, it, whether mm -hmm. it be with small planes or small cameras to big cameras, you know, a, a huge cinema camera is going to have smoother movements than a cell phone camera just because it has more mass. And the same, well, that's a good know, actually. Analogy. It's physics. It's just, yeah. you know, everything relates. And a small little aircraft, you know, get bounced around a lot more than a big commercial plane. Yeah, that's true. If anyone never wants to be afraid in a commercial airplane ever again, just go in a very small one <laughs> and let the instructor tell you that this is totally normal. <laughs> and whenever you get in a big one and it starts moving, you're like, that's totally normal. <laughs> this is nothing compared to a small little Cessna. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Do you shoot a lot from the helicopter? Is it easy for you or can you even have the doors open? We take the doors off. Like if the weather is good, we'll go up. We haven't done it a lot in our in our helicopter, but when we've gone on trips and we've taken tours, we've always gone up with the doors off because it, it is better for taking pictures and video with no glass in front of your lens. But um, with, with the winter, we shoot just through the glass and we've got like a couple of different mounts on the heli for GoPros, but like the Fusion on like the skid or like um, right underneath or kind of on the center rib looking out the window. So you can kind of get like a 360 view, which is kind of cool. We've kind of tried to make the helicopter sort of almost like a character in our vlog and it's, it's oh that's great it's you know we'll we'll use it sometimes to go get footage but it's more mm -hmm. so a it's sort of we more so use it as a tool to tell a story so yeah. it's like if the story is we're going to new york it's like okay let's hop in the heli so we don't it's not like we we can't, you know, it's not like we're trying to go on a photo mission where we're not we're trying to get the helicopter not seen you know it's part of the story so therefore we're going to show clips of us in the helicopter mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it makes it's a big differentiator also with uh, maybe other creators. Everyone has its own little thing about uh, their channel and and their their photography and everything. And I think it's it, it's totally cool to have it part of of what your your of your universe. Let's put it that way. And if you make it a character, that's even better. There's this French creator. He has a van, and he called the van Henry. <laughs> so it's he Henry the the camper van or Henry the van. Uh, so, uh, and he keeps talking about Henry, you know? So if you're watching a video straight out of the bat and you're like, who the heck is Henry? <laughs> yeah, for us, it's the millennial Falcon. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That sounds great. That sounds great. <laughs> Guys, uh, I'm going to um, ask you a little uh, something. And it's simply, would you have anything you would recommend to people to think about for the next week if they're going to shoot maybe a new creative idea or maybe a concept or or just maybe a technique that they should try that you guys discovered recently um i would say like try playing with angles a lot of people kind of just like stand up straight and take a photo at like eye level but 
you can get some really interesting shots if you like get near the ground or kind of get up high and using different focal lengths at those angles can really change your photography. So recently I've been kind of playing with that. I mean, I guess that's not really a new technique or concept, but keeping that in mind when you're going out, not just shooting straight down, but oh, I'm going to go over here. I'm maybe going to, you know, I, I've been using dirty frames a lot, which is like putting things in front of your lens and kind of shooting through that. And, you know, combine that with a low angle or a high angle, you can get some interesting shots. So that's kind of what I've been doing lately. And I think that's been fun. What about you, Chris? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, are we talking photo or video or both? Any. Anything? Uh, Wiggies is something we've been done for a long time. Yeah. Which is basically just taking your lens off. I think the technical term is lens whacking, but I'm not really sure. But yeah, you take your lens off and... Uh, it's just basically making light leaks. Yeah. Oh, got it. I was wondering mm -hmm. if you were talking about like tilt shifting uh, with like freelancing, which uh, I just mentioned in the video with Eric um, the other day. So it's for recreating tilt shift effect. So yours is actually for light leaking. Inside yeah. the, but you can oh. get that tilt shift effect with it as well, though. Right. Yeah. So like I've, I've used it for photography where I've taken the lens off and you kind of like tilt it a little bit and you can get the eyes in focus, but everything else is kind of out. Yeah. And I guess for macro purposes as well because you're essentially simulating extension tubes oh yeah that's true there are a lot of like those video hacks uh where did they, they show you with the macro one it's pretty cool mm -hmm. i actually didn't know about it until a year ago i never thought of trying i was like oh wow i could have saved on my macro <laughs> <laughs> it's not as sharp though it, yeah it true. looks a bit mushy but yeah no it's just kind of a fun little thing to play with that we like to do time to time all right, that's awesome. So, guys, if you're listening, try that out. Uh, let us know how it goes. Um, where do where can people find you if they want to tweet you or Instagram you? Where should they do that? We are on all of the social media platforms at Becky and Chris. So B E C K I A N D C H R I S. So that's YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, mostly Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube is where we're at. That's awesome, guys. Thank you so so much for spending the time here on the podcast and helping everyone out. Thank you so much for having us. This is a good time. Yeah, we'll talk to you in the next episode. All right. Thanks, Pierre. Thank you. Wow. I hope you've enjoyed that episode. There was a lot of information in there. You might have to listen to it again, especially on the Lightroom part. But I want to ask you a little something. If you like that episode, if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Please share it in your photography group, on your Facebook groups, wherever. Take a screenshot, drop it in your Instagram stories, tag me. I really want the podcast to blow up in 2019. So let's share it together and make sure I get the best guests possible for you on the podcast. With that being said, get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new. I will see you, hear you, listen to you, talk to you in the next episode. Bye.